Greetings, Trinity Parish family. Welcome to the fifth Sunday of Lent. As always, it is an honor and a terror to share with you the words on my heart. We're going to talk about the past and the present, the pain and the hope of then and now. And as a deacon in training, we're going to use the diaconal lens of the deacon, which means we're going to talk about service and obedience and our sin. And as always, our baptismal covenant. The book of Jeremiah, as we know it, is from the Hebrew scriptures and generally defined as a latter prophet, which means all the prophecies therein are post-destruction of Israel, post-destruction of its sanctuary and its temple, the end of its political independence. Very much a picture or tapestry of grief and suffering a book of lament, a book of destruction, but also a book of coming good news and hope. I think it sounds a lot like the kind of sin and violence-filled world we still live in today, still clinging to hope, suffering in division and blame, suffering in hatred of race and gender. All the while, trying to survive a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, I'd say there are some pretty serious parallels between the world of our text and the world of our own current existence. And also a couple of other key elements. One is our sin and that relationship with our call to obedience. And the other is Christ, the salvation. Central to the story of the call for obedience by God's people through the covenant that we read of in Jeremiah is obedience. But what's difficult about this covenant is that the obedience part of the story is actually a missing person's case. It doesn't exist. <laughs> and so it, it doesn't really end too well. And I'm no scholar. But prior to Christ, this covenant was sort of a means for communication between God and the people. And let's remember, the covenant is relationship. But the relationship in this covenant was kind of a, a one-way sort of dialogue. And the reason for that was just simply our inability as humans, then and now, to live into the obedience portion of the covenant. Because of our sin. And it's not pretty. And it's not about blame. It's not about who did this or who didn't do that. It's just about our collective falling short as humans. Which brings us to the Christological trajectory, which I think can be discerned in Jeremiah's prophecy. We are now fifth week deep into the reflection on the suffering of death to come of Christ. We are deep in penitence and seeking the hope of salvation through Christ and the resurrection to come. But we aren't quite there yet. Which is why we have to figure out what is this Christological trajectory in Jeremiah's prophecy there for? Well, it's easy. It's there of necessity. 
And no matter what theological rabbit hole at this point that you may want to go down, along with all the other scholars and rabbis and priests and clerics and politicians through the dawn of time that have done this before us, good luck. But through all that debate, there is one common denominator. And that common denominator is our sin. We are all sinners and need the salvation of Christ in order to have that true communion with God and the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. And it's a package deal that I think was given to us by a loving and merciful God who recognizes that we just don't have what it takes to live into that law or the teaching of God's love that is our covenant. Theologian Samuel K. Robert proclaims, Christ himself becomes the embodiment of God's willingness to show perfect love so that the world would be reconciled to God. Nice, huh? That is how God, through the renewed covenant, as stated in Jeremiah, that God offers us assurance. God says, I will put my law or teaching within them. I will inscribe it in their hearts. I will forgive their iniquities and remember their sin no more. That's the good news. We as well have our own covenant, which we strive to obey. And that is our baptismal covenant. We have much to inscribe on our own hearts. Can we even imagine a world right now where we all have the love of God and the way of love inscribed on our hearts? A world where we care for our trees and for our water and for our neighbors? As a whole, our collective mental health and moral consciousness has suffered much through the pandemic in the past number of years politically where we have found that we as a nation have somehow given voice and credence to an ideology of hatred and supremacy. What we thought was just something hiding in the background or lurking in the sewers is very much something that is real and in our face. And it's very easy to become discouraged and afraid and even to be tempted at times to not turn the other cheek. Loving our neighbor really is the hardest commandment to obey. We just not too many weeks ago reaffirmed our baptismal covenant. We proclaimed that by word and deed, we would be an example of the good news of Christ, especially when it is difficult and in the face of opposition, oppression, and hatred. And that's a tall order. But with God's help, we can. We also proclaimed that we will seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbor as ourselves. We are so very far as a nation, a state, and a city, and even a parish from fully living into beloved community.
with one another. But we will with God's help. And that whole loving your neighbor thing, through that comes the healing power of love through relationship. That's a person-to-person, one-on-one power we all have to make change through love for one another, no matter our differences. And lastly, we proclaim that we would strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human life. And we, as a nation and a city, aren't seeing much of that either. May 25th will be the one-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, and we now sit on the cusp of a powder bomb as we approach the upcoming trial, and we pray for healing and peace and continued dialogue in the forefront of our own conversations as a diocese, a parish, a city, and a nation. We also remember that we are called to stand in solidarity with those whom are suffering and oppressed, which is why I want to take a moment to remember the eight Asian American women killed in Atlanta this week. We stand in solidarity with our Asian American sisters and brothers. Scores of senseless acts of violence and hatred have taken place in the city of Seattle over the last number of weeks. And they are just a part of a very troubling statistic that is on the rise throughout our nation. Bishop Curry shared the sobering statistic from the AAPI, the Asian American Pacific Islander Hate Watch Group, that already only in the third month of the new year, 3,795 individual incidents of violence have been acted out upon our AAPI sisters and brothers. That's a lot of Asian Americans having a really bad day. We weep with you. Bishop Curry says, we who stand for love must speak up and stand up and show up. And with God's help, we can. I am so incredibly thankful for my sisters and brothers serving on the Trinity Parish Racial Reconciliation Committee and all those who have trudged through the hard work of sacred ground. We have a long way to go, but let's keep up the good and difficult work, Trinity Parish. With God's help, we can live into our baptismal covenant. We can share the good news of Christ as the suffering servant. Suffering is a part of the economy of salvation. So fear not. We are all in this together. We have each other and the good news of salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen.